Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. Welcome home, Cojourners. So glad that you're here for another episode of the Homecoming Podcast. And I'm so glad that the podcast is being supported by Pepperdine University Online. And I really love teaching at Pepperdine because of the great colleagues and faculty. We have such incredible researchers, practitioners, scientists, and educators. And so being able to be in community with those who you can grow together, learn with, really reminds us of the scripture, iron sharpens iron. And when we are within the range of those who are intellectually stimulating and at the same time compassionate and caring towards students, mindful about teaching really as an act of service and empowerment, it's inspiring. So I love teaching at Pepperdine, working with the people I work with, learning from them as I also share my areas of expertise. And the students are so wonderful because there is the online program. We have students who are from all over, all different walks of life, different backgrounds and life experiences. And so when we get in the classroom and start talking about psychology and how to bring about healing, how to help people to restore and recover, the engagement is really inspiring and exciting. It is informative and it helps us, particularly during these times when we see so many people struggling to think about being a part of the solution. And so if you also have a heart for people, have a heart for psychology, pursue your purpose at Online Psychology at Pepperdine. You can visit www.pepperdinepurpose.com backslash homecoming to learn more about our programs. I am also excited because we have a new poetry submission this week. And so as we are about to hear today's poem, I just want to give an alert that the poem references the experience of sexual violation. And I know that there are many survivors who are on this homecoming journey with us. And so I encourage you as you're hearing the piece, to take care of yourself. If you need to pause or fast forward, you can, but just so you know, it doesn't go into the explicit story of the assault, but it does acknowledge it. And so I'm grateful for the survivors that are here listening, and I'm a survivor as well. And so a part of our wholeness and wellness is recognizing the various traumas that we have survived as we seek to thrive and come home again. So I'm grateful for our poet of this week. And our poem comes from Akima. And Akima shared an incredible piece uh, that really highlights the value and the importance of the work that we can do when we 
really reflect on our journeys and consider that home can be difficult, but it is a necessary path. And so Akima writes, taking back my throne, I tried to pull back towards my body, but I'm not sure I ever truly made it back. My body was taken from me that night, tossing me out into the darkness. I had no support, no love, no way to return home. The fear of my Latina mother finding out and blaming me for what happened kept me from seeking gynecological support. Not knowing whether the stranger had used protection and not being able to get tested kept me living in a state of fear, anxiety, and repulsion towards my body. I felt lost in this wilderness of dark emotions as I continued to gravitate further and further away from my body, clipping bits of myself in the process. I was losing myself. I felt helpless and hopeless. It got to a point where my body physically began shutting down on me. I had the medication to alleviate those symptoms, but it did not bring me any closer to my body. I was still lost. I was still alone. I still had no way to return home. I'll admit therapy was not very productive at first. I was so fixated on external realities and issues that I had forgotten about myself and what my body needed from me. The thing about therapy is that it's a process. It takes time, patience, a lot of self-love and resiliency. With time and support, the wilderness suddenly became less dark, less painful, and my pain and my path became clearer. By revisiting past traumas, I found the answers as to why I had grown so detached from my body. By revisiting past traumas, I found love, understanding, and empathy towards myself. By revisiting past traumas, I am able to be here, alive with you today, to share a part of my soul. My body is not just my home, it's my throne. My body is not just my home, it's my throne. Thank you so much for that incredible piece. And you really highlight that for many of us, the disconnection from ourselves came as a result of experiences with trauma and with stress. And there were various barriers to our homecoming, whether we think about culturally, religiously, psychologically, and highlighting, as you share, Akima, that therapy and healing itself is a process and a journey, and it is not instant. And so we want to be compassionate with ourselves as we are making our way back home. And I am so glad to hear from you and to receive your peace. And if others of you are writing poems about your homecoming, please email them to me at homecomingpodcast at gmail.com. And I want to name that for some of you hearing that piece, may have been triggering or may bring up some memories of the past. And so I invite you to take a moment to ground yourself in the present, to look around and notice what you see, where you are, what you hear. One of those things, of course, is the sound of my voice, to notice if there is anything that you smell, scents that are in the room, what you feel in terms of the chair underneath you, or if you're sitting 
on the ground or your feet are on the ground, feeling that as a way of reminding yourself that you are in the present moment here with us, the co-journers on this pathway. If while you were listening, it, there was an impact on your breath, I invite you to take a moment for sacred pause as we inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth. And Akima's journey is so uh, significant and aligned with our topic on today because they write about the recovery process from trauma, but also in their email, they share that they are going into the field of psychology and doing this work uh, in order to understand minds, hearts, spirits, and to help people heal and transform. And so for each of you, as you're thinking about your homecoming journey, we know that addressing the pain of the past is one part of the journey, but it also is about figuring out, uh, becoming more aware of what I am doing here, what I want to do, what I am called to do with my time on the planet. And so uh, while addressing the wounds are important, and we have done that on several episodes and we'll revisit it, on today our theme is really about living well as a leader, leading well and living well. And so we recognize that many of you are in positions of leadership. It may be that you're a leader in your family, a leader in your community, a leader in activism. You may have a leadership or supervisory role on your job. You may be a leader in your faith community. And so uh, we want to be mindful not to become detached from ourselves as we take on those roles. And I know many of us have encountered people in leadership who were not mindful, who were very uh, unaware or checked out of themselves and also checked out of the realities of those they were supposed to be leading. And so we want to be particularly mindful that when I have experienced a misuse of power or an abuse of power, for me to be thoughtful about when I have access to power, when I have access to these leadership roles, what are the ways in which I want to live that out? How are the ways that I can remain connected to myself? How do I lead with integrity and with values so that I do not lose myself, disconnect from myself, so that I do not duplicate or replicate the negative, unhealthy, dysfunctional leadership models that I have seen and experienced in the past. And so I invite you to really consider the ways in which you currently are in leadership roles, or if you have any desire to lead, uh, to lead in your field, in an organization, uh, if there are ideas and visions and dreams you have about pioneering or trailblazing, uh, setting a new course and a new path uh, in your artistry, in your spirituality, in your wellness, in your family life, 
if you are seeking to break uh, generational cycles and show up in a new way, that is also a form of leadership. And so I want to give a number of principles for us to keep in mind as we think about emotionally, psychologically healthy leadership. Emotionally, psychologically healthy leadership. And I invite you to reflect on for a moment about the different supervisors or bosses or leaders that you have had, people who had power in your family, people who have had power in your faith community, and then reflect on who are the people that you feel led well and who are the people that you feel led poorly or in an abusive way. And to really think about concretely uh, what were the behaviors that the strong leaders or effective leaders or the nurturing leaders engaged in? And what were some of the specific concrete behaviors, habits that people adopted who were abusive with their power, abusive with their leadership, so that we can really learn those lessons and apply them to ourselves of how do I want to show up in a space uh, when I do have the power or the control to make uh, decisions that are not going to only affect me, but also going to affect others. So we can even think about leadership as it relates to parenting, right? What are the healthy and unhealthy ways that your parents or guardians utilize their, their uh, power when they were parenting you? And then how, if you are uh, a parent or a teacher or a mentor, how you want to show up in that space, uh, the, the models that you want to follow and the models that you want to learn from and do it differently. So one of the first principles I want to raise is the importance of self-awareness. To really uh, be tuned into your strengths and your weaknesses as a leader, to be very clear about uh, what you have been effective in, and also having accountability and honesty about the areas that uh, have not been strong suits for you, an area where you really want to consider your development and your growth and also uh, seeking out help and support and acknowledging uh, that some people uh, may have better skills, will have better skills in, in particular areas. And so giving uh, yourself a check you know, doing a self-inventory, to be honest with myself about the ways I have showed up in a space and what are the things that I appreciate about the ways I have led or held power or managed these positions and what are the ways that I have to be honest with myself that that didn't go well or it was disruptive or it was ineffective because one of the problems um, that we can see with leaders who are not self-aware 
is whenever something goes wrong, they blame other people. So there's no taking of responsibility or accountability. Everything is always someone else's fault. And so for me to really be in a place of honesty and empowerment, then I have to own my stuff, right? I have to own if I, if I drop the ball, I have to own if we're in this predicament because of my procrastination, I have to own if I am avoiding conflict and being passive, and that is uh, creating more disorder in the place. I have to own if I have been micromanaging and uh, really be tuned in to the ways that people are responding to me. Uh, and that highlights the importance of recognizing respect is not the same thing as fear. And that is one thing that uh, a lot of parents misunderstand when they just declare, I want my children to be afraid of me. And we want to really uh, unpack that to recognize, you know, fear and respect are not identical. And also to think about the ways in which we are establishing, earning, living up to uh, being trustworthy for people to respect our uh, decisions, to respect our priorities, to respect uh, that we're willing to do the work that we're laying out, uh, that we are operating with good intentions and with integrity. And so for us to lead in emotionally intelligent and emotionally well ways, we want to continuously check in with ourselves and we often talk about reading the room, but I also want to read myself in the room. What is the impact that I have on people? How do people feel in my presence? How, uh, what, are, what is the dynamic that I am either creating or participating in? And so this self-awareness is very important. Another important uh, principle for uh, emotionally healthy leadership is promoting mutual care. So we often uh, hear in Western psychology about self-care, which is important. But one of the things I've discovered is a lot of institutions will call me in and ask me to do workshops on self-care for their employees, but they get uncomfortable when I start talking about the changes the institution needs to make to be a place where you actually demonstrate care for the people who work there, right? That care and compassion are not just individual responsibility when we continue to place people in toxic, unhealthy, unsafe, non-caring environments, yes? So when I have the power to shape the environment, to shape the policies, to write and change the procedures uh, that I am uh, really responsible for either creating or maintaining the culture of the place, then I want to really uh, become aware of what are the ways I can set up more care and compassion in this space, not just lip service, but really uh, being mindful and intentional about the mental health, the spiritual well-being, the physical health 
of those that are working or gathering that are engaged in this space. And so I was uh, mindful of that as I was watching a film last night and a teenage daughter was grappling with uh, panic attacks. And along with uh, therapy, there was conversation about her uh, potentially benefiting from medication. And uh, the mother, who was very checked out, responded in this, you know, very angry tone of, my daughter doesn't need happy pills. We're already happy. And it was very clear that the mother is miserable and stressed out, uh, that the daughter is feeling uh, neglected and overwhelmed and insecure. And so uh, there was not an awareness or uh, a real honesty about what are the dynamics in this relationship? What are the dynamics in our family life and home uh, that even if not causing uh, the anxiety, and perhaps they were causing it, uh, but are definitely contributing to it? So we want to be careful about not just being uh, the type of leader that says, every man or woman for themselves, that each one just has to take care of themselves while we are promoting a system, um, a working environment, um, or a faith community environment, or an artist community uh, that is dehumanizing and demoralizing. And particularly if you're engaged in activism and working with social justice organizations for it not to just be about the work, but also to be about the people, right? To really be mindful of taking care of and, uh, and receiving care. That's why it is mutual care, right? That even as a leader, that I will not become so hardened that I am disconnected from myself or from others. Right. So to really be able uh, to extend care and compassion and to make it a priority to try to create space uh, for the value of our mutual care and compassion instead of neglect or erasure. We also want to be intentional uh, in our leadership when we have power in a place that we are not um, promoting uh, bias racism, sexism, heterosexism, able-bodyism, uh, that we are not uh, excluding people, that we um, are really showing up to uh, empower, that we are there for it to be an inclusive space, uh, that we are looking to be mindful of representation and not just tokenism. And that means not only that we address it when it is happening outside of us, but also that we have to check that within us, you know, for you to really consider what were the messages that you received or that you have believed about other people, not only individually, but other groups of people, you know, what are the stereotypes that we hold on to about who are quote unquote hard workers and who are lazy? Who do we assume just when they enter the room? Who do we assume is intelligent and who we assume is incapable? When we talk about someone having potential, who is it that we are taking under our wing and mentoring uh, and 
but who is it that we have left out of that path or that trajectory of growth? And we recognize what it has felt like for us to be discarded. And we've talked about that on this homecoming journey, but we have to also own that there have been ways that we have overlooked others, that there have been ways we have underestimated others, that there have been ways that we have discarded others. And whether that was uh, with active uh, malicious intent or whether that was passive of just not engaging, we want to be mindful of um, our psychological, social, cultural, religious barriers that can oppress other people. And for us not to participate in oppression and also for us not to enable it or to be silent about it. And so attending to within my organization or within the family or within my community, who are uh, the people that often are not heard, right? Who are the people that are often marginalized, erased, diminished? And who are the people that we have loaded with labor and with work that we are actually exploiting, right? And sometimes when people are silent, uh, then people will keep heaping the work on them when often either by personality or by financial strain, some people will not advocate for themselves or set up that boundary. But if we're operating with integrity, for us to really be mindful of what we are expecting of people, the load that we are putting on people, and the disparities, the differences in what we expect from some, what we require from some people, and we do not require of others. So we really want to push back on uh, abusive practices, biases, and discrimination in our own leadership. And again, when we talk about parenting, to consider you know, who is being favored, who is being esteemed and praised, and who has been dismissed as not being uh, as important or as valuable even in our family life. And again, many of us have experienced this firsthand. And if you're not careful, you can end up duplicating, replicating the very thing that was wounding and painful to you. And so if you are aware as you're reflecting on today that perhaps you have uh, engaged in some of these behaviors, it's important to have accountability, to apologize, and to be intentional about shifting, that I want to lead differently, I want to show up differently, I want to work and even love differently when I think about how I utilize uh, my power and really trying to do that from a place of connection and compassion. And so that also leads us to the importance of sharing power and actively working toward empowerment, that not just micromanaging or uh, uh, minimizing others, dismissing others, ridiculing or bullying, but instead that I really want to build other leaders, 
right? That I am not trying to be uh, a tyrant. I am not uh, trying to silence, you know, within your group or within your family, within your community and organization, you can have some bright ideas, some creative visions, but when we are uh, so insecure that we cannot hear from others, then the entire organization or the entire family loses out. And so to be the kind of leader that cultivates other leaders, to be the kind of leader that empowers people to shine, to be the kind of leader that is secure enough within myself that I can create space for other voices, that I can create space for other visions, programs, and possibilities, and that encountering gifted people is not threatening, it's inspiring. Encountering and engaging with brilliant people, it is a gift. And so we do not want to squash those uh, when we see that they have talent, vision, intelligence, even charisma, that we want to instead think about how can I help them to be edified and to grow? How do I help them to shine? And so in the aftermath of our exchange, that people uh, are bolder, that in the aftermath of our exchange, that people's confidence is built instead of being torn down. And so what is the condition in which we leave people? Right? Do we leave people coming away from us uh, shrinking or do people leave our presence feeling that they too uh, can lead, that they too can have a valuable contribution, uh, that they matter, right? That they matter. And so we want to be mindful about uh, trusting and empowering uh, our colleagues, uh, people who we work with, our children. We want to be mindful that our approach is not to squash or diminish. When I am well, then I love to see people thriving, right? When I am well and secure within myself, it takes nothing away from me. It actually encourages me to see people live in their best life. And if I can be a part of facilitating that process, oh, that's a gift. Then we also want to be mindful with our leadership of the importance of transparency and responsible use of our power. And so, so many people in leadership are doing things behind the scenes uh, that are corrupt, that are selfish, and that are ego-driven. And so you want to always uh, really be responsible and have accountability partners. You know, accountability, I'm accountable to myself in terms of my integrity and values, but also I'm accountable uh, to other people. So I never want to get to a place where I can't take feedback. I don't want to get to a place where no one can tell me anything. I don't want to lead from a place that I'm unteachable. But instead, I know uh, that I can miss things, right? That, that I can make mistakes and errors. And um, that there are times I can be a part of the problem and either be unaware or not clear how to solve it. And so uh, really 
having the humility as a leader to be able to take responsibility, but also to be able to take criticism or feedback or critique without blowing up, without taking it as a personal attack, that not everyone who gives me feedback is trying to destroy me, right? Not everyone who gives me feedback is a quote unquote hater. And that's this, you know, a big thing where people are like, forget your haters, don't listen to your haters. Well, if I can't take feedback from anyone, I will never grow and I will be very limited in my leadership and in my life. And so accountability and uh, honesty and humility are very important. And the last thing I'll mention for emotionally well leadership is courage. The courage to be yourself, the courage to be transformative, to bring in new vision, new people, new ideas, and new possibilities, sometimes to go in new directions, to take courage, to be honest with yourself and honest with other people, to have the courage to take on the challenges and difficulties in the organization, whether they be financial or personality or lack of vision, or poor leadership of the past, and now you're in a place of trying to rebuild and restore, it takes courage to not be defeated by all of the negativity that we are experiencing on multiple levels. The family, the nation, the community, medically, politically, we are seeing uh, so much despair and difficulty and that shows up in all these different spaces, in your faith community, in your organization, on your job, in your family life. And so for me to really lead uh, into a place of compassion, it will take courage. Because guess what? If I lead, in some ways I will be targeted more. I become more visible. I open myself up to uh, more monitoring and even more criticism. And so that takes courage. And yet we are very much in need of responsible leadership. And so I encourage you to really think about as you're on your journey home to yourself, are there ways in which you feel called to lead, gifted to lead, positioned to lead, and you really want to be mindful about doing that in a responsible way, in an ethical way, in a compassionate way, and in a way that does not disconnect you from yourself or disconnect you from others and really promoting wellness, wholeness, and thriving. I am excited about the ways in which you are leading and the ways in which you intend to lead with care, with compassion, with vision, and with courage. I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home.